Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Well, guys, welcome back to the Mom Village, and we're so happy. This is part two of the Valentine's special, and this is Marriage Conversation, our one of our favorite segments that we have here in the Mom Village. And we have more questions from our listeners and our followers, so we're ready to answer. We're ready to answer a lot of funny ones and serious ones in part one. So we're ready to dive in in part two. So first thing is, what's the weirdest and unique or unique Valentine's gift that you ever received from each other? Yes. Okay. I She's looking why, at me like but I really want to hear from the Kellys on this one. I don't know why, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 but well, because I think it has something to do with that story they told us about their honeymoon. But anyway, um, but this this gift is not weird or unique, but just straight up bad. So our first Valentine's Day, it's tricky as a girl with your first Valentine's Day because you don't want to make too big of a deal about it and come. When we, oh, when we were dating, when we were dating. Okay, so I was 18. And so you you want them to know you like them. Not that, I mean, you know, you're playing the game. You're playing the game. Not too obvious. So yeah. I'm like, what am I going to get him? So I'm like, I will bake him some cookies. Right? Okay. I mean, that's nonchalant. But, so I baked him his favorite cookies. And I was so proud. And I wrapped him up real cute. Because I'm actually good at wrapping things cute. The problem is, at that point, I was the worst cook you had ever <laughs> <laughs> witnessed. I'm, I'm better now. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good now. So I made him these cookies and I just made them all wrong. His favorite are chocolate chip. He likes semi-sweet. I used milk chocolate, too much sugar, baked them till you could hardly even chew them. And this was my, my love offering to him. So I'm pretty sure he found a dumpster and threw them in the trash on the way home. Did you? I plead the fifth. <laughs> no comment. How about the Kellys? This is a very interesting question. We've been giving gifts for such a long time. Like in the last couple of years, we don't necessarily give gifts on Valentine's Day. I have to be honest. Like I get gifts all the time. <laughs> so Valentine's is like just another day for me. I know it's crazy. But I think if I think about it, I think I gave you a very good gift on Valentine's Day about almost 16 years ago. I gave him a baby boy. Oh, <laughs> yes. Look at him. He's like, oh, yes, yes that gift. That's right. No, we, and we. Ain't nobody right. going to beat that. That's, <laughs> that's right. We, that's right. We had, we had Miles. Yeah. February. Well, that was very unique. Thank you, Kira. <laughs> You're very welcome. Kira, how about you just tell us what's the first question we have? The first question. Let's see. Well, I'm, I think I want to hear from the Quatos and the Remoses. What do you wish you did more of as a family and as a couple? Mm. Bernie, I want to hear what you say about a couple. What do you wish you did more as, oh, as a couple? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What do you need more of? I don't Anna? know what you mean by that. I don't know if she <laughs> spoke to you to ask me this question and we're doing a little public intervention. <laughs> what we did more as a couple and then as a family. Yes. So, as What do you need more of from Anna? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Don't answer that, Bernie. Hey, I, I didn't join the rodeo uh, just yesterday, Kira. Nice try. <laughs> Our schedule is very tight. You know, I, I kind of work two jobs. 
All our kids are in sports, and we love sports. We think they're a blessing from God and great opportunity to to build character in our kids. We love ministering at Family Church, love ministering at PBA. It's very easy for your schedule to just kind of take over your life, and it can become monotonous, like these are the things that we have to do. And it wasn't until a few years ago we just said, hey, I kind of feel like our schedule or kids' sports, whether it's travel or things at at school, is taking over. We're going to not do this this week or we're not going to do this this weekend. We're just going to break the the cycle. We're going to go away. We're going to do a staycation. That's been great. We need to do more of that. You know, we sent off Bernie to college this past fall, and we've grown But it's really been neat, kind of what Jimmy and Kristen were saying, to see him grow. Mm -hmm. Find his church, take fellow football players to church with him, join a Bible study. I mean, it, it, you know, FaceTime with us and ask us questions about the Bible. That's, that's been really good. But since we sent him off, I thought, I wish we would have done more ministry slash mission trips with them because we did that. Before we got married, and that made a huge impact on our lives, and we, we didn't really do that. I wish we would have done that more. And I'll just be really quick. When, when I thought about this question, just looked at it, the first thing I said was eat dinner together. And he's like, but we always eat dinner together. And I said, yeah, one at Chick-fil-A, one, you know, most of the time it's not just at home and on the table. So that was, and then also he says, I always want this, but just more time to talk. And he's like then I would never work. <laughs> if we talked the amount of time that you want us to talk, I said, yeah, but that's just the way I receive love. So, Well, for us, I, I actually will join with you guys in part of that because one of the things that I used to love before we had kids was that my wife and I used to do a lot of ministry together. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Marie was like my right-hand person in the ministry, always doing everything. We were always at church together and it was so much fun, right? We had, we had so much fun and it was, yeah, we would go to mission trips together. We would do all these big events and, you know, celebrations and parties for the ministry and things. And Jesus was right next to me and everything. And so it always felt so cool that we could do that together. And we, that was something when we had our first child that we didn't really realize how much of a disconnect that was going to create and that, you know, so I wish we could do a little bit more of that, but this is the season that we're in. I also wish we could travel a little bit more as a family. So as a couple, I wish we could do more ministry together as a family. I wish we could travel a little bit more, but when you have little ones and you're carrying car seats, oh my gosh, just traveling with car seats, guys, it's the worst thing in the universe. So it's just very difficult. So we really think about, do we, we really, well, she makes, she makes it happen. And I always think that we really want to do all of this, you know, for because uh, it's it's really, really taxing on, on the whole family. But I wish we could do more ministry together as a couple. And I wish we could travel a little bit more as a family together. Well, our next question, Kristen. What do you do? This is what I'm getting to our listener questions. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. What do you do when your toddler has a meltdown mm. in public? Asking for a friend, especially when you're out alone with the child and toddler. And that's a great question because that's a different question than just if you're, if you're together. You, you guys. You you're guys. asking the question to me? Yes. Well, first of all, as a, as a husband and father, rarely ever be out with a toddler by yourself. That would be my, my number one encouragement. Um, well, you know, we, we have a saying that we, we try to train at home 
And then we, we say that the home time is practice. And then when you're out in public, it's game time. And so when you take your kids out in public, they're going to, they're going to do what they're trained uh, to do or not. And if you get out in public and you realize, Hey, they're not doing what we tried to train them to do. It's just an encouragement to the parents to do more training at home and be more intentional about that. I would be very hesitant to train in public. For one thing, other people will not understand what you're doing. And for another thing, it's annoying and embarrassing to the child, to you, to everyone else around. So we've always just encouraged if your kid's going buck and you can't get it under control, for one thing, if they're saying, I want a piece of candy, just give them the candy and get out of Publix. All right. If they, if they, if they are going buck and they will not be consoled, then just leave your cart, put them in the car and go home because it's just not time to train. You, you've all seen the mom or the dad at, at the, at the, at the Walmart screaming at their kid, counting to three, you know, if I get to three, I'm going to leave you at Walmart. Well, everybody knows they're not going to leave the kid at Walmart. So including the kids. So I would just be careful about doing that. I do think we should channel our inner former first lady, Michelle Obama. She said something that was super true, not talking about parenting, but it applies when they go low, we go high. And so as a parent, when your child is going low, when they are pitching a complete fit, we've got to rise to the occasion and we cannot be getting in the floor pitching a fit with them. We have to get maybe really quiet. It's amazing how if they're acting crazy and you get real quiet, they start to calm down just because they're trying to figure out what's going on. (laughs) You know, we can't make threats or act like a complete nut. That's what they're doing. So our job is to be calm and rational. And I will tell you, there have been times when I have left my grocery cart at Publix or wherever and just said, you know what, we're going to be back. We, we didn't give the candy. He's saying that now because we're in grandpa mode. We <laughs> did not, just so you know, give the candy when they were pitching a fit at the candy. No, he did not. You also said no threats, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but we have left before. We've yeah. left before because it's not the person checking out behind me's problem that my kid's pitching a fit. Anna, what you got? No, I was just, I was quickly... I quickly learned that you have to be careful what time of the day and what situations you take your kids out in because if they're exhausted and you take them to a restaurant and you want them to sit in the high chair and the re- the food's going to take 45 minutes, that's not fair. So as a mom, I always remember saying, no, we can't do this at this time because then we're going to just have to leave. So... I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, Bernie. <laughs> marriage confessions. Bernie, we have it all the time. Marriage confessions. I was thinking, man, my my son doesn't do the meltdown thing like other kids do. And we were at, I was at a mall in Dallas and he threw himself on the ground because I said no to something in the middle of this walkway, hundreds of people. And I looked at him and I just walked away. I go, let me see what's going to happen. So I walked like a long way, like, like 50 yards. And then I went home. And then, <laughs> well, you said go home. I just, but you know what? A couple minutes passed. It was uncomfortable for everyone. He got composure. He got up. I think he realized that wasn't going to work kind of with us. And he just came back and, and settled down. Probably not the right approach to have. <laughs> but I was just curious to see what would happen if I don't respond at all. D- don't get down at his level. And it actually worked. So number two says, so we had this question, while the Bible teaches wives to love, honor, and obey their husbands, oftentimes I've seen that it can be a slippery slope for abuse to happen in marriage, especially sexual abuse. So what is a healthy balance and what can you elaborate 
on that. And there was another question that kind of go with that one, you know, so about like, what is like the husband, even though the Bible says, you know, the husband says the head of the house. So what is the specific role? There was another one kind of like that. So yeah, it says gender roles is a biblical example. Wives cares for the home and husbands bring home the bread. So what is a healthy balance? I think those two can be combined. So I'm going to throw this one to the Kellys. Yeah, I, well, here's what I would say. Let's, I mean, it, it's biblical. You know, St. Paul writes about marriage and he, he equates it to the church and Christ's love for the church. And that's how we, as men, we have to see our love for our wives as Christ loved the church. So one of the things I've said to women, that the young women, namely family members who would ask questions like this is, when you marry, you do have a responsibility to the Bible. So as a woman, you have a responsibility to what the Bible says, and that man has a responsibility to what the Bible says. And so one of the things that I'm clear about is there should never be abuse in a marriage. Mm -hmm. There should never be any form of abuse in a marriage. And any form of abuse in a marriage, I think that's when you go to your pastor, and that's when you go to those that you can get counsel from. Mm -hmm. But if you take the biblical approach to the Bible, the healthy balance is when a man is loving his wife and caring for his wife, you know, like Christian made a point about you know, looking at his wife to know when, when does my wife need a break? When does my wife need to go out? When a, when a woman senses that love and that care, and I love the passage where it talked about, there's a the passage of Christ in the Old Testament, so gentle that not even a bruised reed shall he break, mm -hmm. that Christ is so gentle, learning how to be gentle with our wives. And I know not, not every man knows how to do that. Not every man knows how to do that. And that's where your church family is really important. And I, for the persons asking this question, what I really would say is, Get some one-to-one -one counsel. Get 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 into a group around marriage. We have all of the groups here at you know whichever campus. If you're not a part of family church, some church, get into a group where you can get more information about how to live out a healthy, balanced life. So number one, rule one: there should never be abuse. No man or woman should feel abused in a marriage, verbally, sexually, physically. Uh, number two, what the Bible says is that men have a responsibility to love their wives as mm -hmm. Christ loved the church, and that's the sacrificial love. And then wives have a responsibility to respect their husbands. So that 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 is, I think, what the, the that is obviously the teaching. But I do believe persons who are asking these questions, I'd encourage them to get into a one-to-one -one counseling mm -hmm. opportunity or some kind of a small group mm -hmm. to learn more. And I would just say to add to that picture, Eric, that you said about the Apostle Paul. Look at the descriptors that he puts to talk about how a husband is supposed to love his wife. It talks about uh, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave his life. So in other words, that that leadership, that servant leadership, he has to forfeit his ultimate good for her benefit. So if someone is not following that, they're they're twisting scripture, they're they're saying something the Bible is is not saying. He says treating her the same way Christ treats the church, washing her, presenting her without spot or wrinkle. Those are very, that washing, ironing, those are very servant leadership type qualities and pictures that he's giving. And that's the kind of love that a real man should be providing for his wife. So we have said in different podcasts before, but if you're experiencing abuse, we encourage you, mom, to seek counsel. Don't stay silent. Don't just keep it quiet. Or if you know somebody that is asking these questions, you know, you don't just ask these questions just because. It's because there's already something happening. So we encourage you to either contact us. We have a church that can help you or your local church. And I'm pretty sure we can help you out. So Kira, how about the next question? 
I believe it's number three. Yes, this is a good one. Let's start with the Scroggins and then order the Quatos. Mm. <laughs> what? Are, <laughs> she just said. Mm-mm. What are some do's and don'ts when you're having an intense argument with your spouse or conflict? We don't have ne- not necessarily an argument, yeah. disagreement. I can't well, see Kristen having an intense argument. <laughs> She's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, you're, you're very accurate. <laughs> what a great answer. Too. So I'm going to have to answer for some other people. <laughs> for a friend. For a friend. For a friend. Yeah. I would just, I would just say the, the number one is remind yourself and your spouse, even if you're in the middle of a disagreement or it could be an argument or a conflict, remind yourself and your spouse of the commitments that you've made to one another. You love each other. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling, not the way the Bible talks about it between husbands and wives. Love is a choice. Mm -hmm. Love is a commitment. And so you may not even like your spouse in that particular moment for a friend, but, but, but you have made a commitment to, to love your spouse, which means as you guys just said, for a woman, you have made a commitment according to the scriptures to, to, to submit to your husband, to respect your husband, husbands, you made a commitment to love your wives and lay down your life for your wife. And the way that we talk to one another, you know, marriage is the visible picture on the earth of Christ's love for the church. And so the way that we talk to each other and the way that we treat each other either paints a beautiful and accurate picture of how Christ loves the church or it paints a distorted and false picture of how Christ loves the church. So if we'll remember love and then just a very practical way, uh, I would encourage uh, all of us never use permanent language and great red lines. Mm-hmm. If you do this, then I promise you, I'm never going to do that. Mm-hmm. If you ever, I will never, you, you know, anytime you're using a always, you always, or you never, those are very hurtful and dangerous words because they're rarely true. And then you should never use, you know, the D word. I would never bring up divorce or, Hey, if this continues, you know, I would be very careful with all of that. I think too, we have to mentally remind ourselves and women, I think we, we really have to do this, that we are on the same team. So we might be disagreeing on approach or methodology or anything, but we're on the same team. And even more than that, we're just straight up one. And so anything I'm doing to damage Jimmy is really damaging myself. And anything he does to harm me is really harming himself. And so to step back and think, okay, if this was reversed, how would I want him to be treating me right now? And if I'm angry, yelling, frustrated, or clamming up, which is probably worse than, than yelling and frustrated, which is, tends to be my go-to, is that, is that how I would want him to treat me? So, Anna, how about you ask, we're going to jump a couple of questions to sure. number six. Okay. What do you do when you feel anxious and overwhelmed? Can I just say real quick, I go shopping. <laughs> Let's just be we honest. Go to Target. Shopping yes. and eat. Like Target to go and focus on. That's, that's jo- when the husband gets anxious and overwhelmed. <laughs> that's just a joke. I know Not really. there's a lot more. Really. <laughs> I know you all pretty well. And the funny thing is the bags will come in through some back door throughout the day. It's never all at once. It's always little things. Or like, check the trunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'll, or I'll the kids' closets. Just, just leave those bags in the car. Yeah. Just wait. Yeah. We're not ready to disclose that part yeah. of it. Let's see. What What do you guys do? Let's see. I, I remember years ago when my dad passed away, 
there was a lot of anxiety, like true anxiety, true heart, you know, not working the right way physically. And Bernie gave me a book called The Psalms, Pray Through the Psalms. And without that and without God's word, I would have not been able to walk each day. So really God's word daily encouraged me during that time. And it was a hard time. And sometimes when you you forget, you you stop doing those things that you know you need so much. So it it sounds like it's not going to come for you, but I really believe God's word. Even if it's five minutes a day, just something you read just really ministers to your heart. Yeah, I remember in one podcast, we kind of, we were talking about the same thing. And I, I gave the example that when you're in an airplane, because we were just came from a, a trip, you know, and then the lady telling the instructions for an emergency says, hey, with the little baggie with the air comes down, you know, make sure you put it on your kids first and then you do it on yourself. Kind of like the moral of that. I was like, oh, so that's kind of like with us moms and our spiritual life, like when we feel overwhelmed and anxious, we should put, like she, she was saying, we should put that oxygen on us first and get down to scripture, get down to quiet time. Like just look back and see what is it that is triggering the fact that you're getting so overwhelmed, so self-centered and so stressed out. You know, are you focusing on yourself too much? Are you just paying attention? Just make sure you nurture yourself before you actually then can start nurturing your kids because the way the way you are is going to reflect on your family and on your kids. You're kind of like the heart that's be bumping blood. But so if that's not doing right, it's going to it's going to transfer to your family. And I think also along with that, you know, we go through life stages and just sitting here at this table, you know, we've all been through life stages. I think all of us have lost a parent in the Mm -hmm. last couple of years, a couple of us. And I think, too, just having someone that is close to you that you can talk to. Mm -hmm. It may be just one friend that Mm -hmm. is going to check on you or that you check on them and that accountability and just that comfort. Because a lot of times we're moving through life so quickly and we feel like no one will really understand. Mm -hmm. No one will get this. Mm -hmm. Or I have all these roles that I have to fulfill. Mm -hmm. So I can't be discouraged or I can't look like I'm anxious, but I would encourage, you know, find that friend, find that, that community, that village that will come alongside of you and that will walk the, this journey with you. Well, and that leads us to our next question. So it says loss in marriage can be difficult and a long journey. And how can we more be more helpful or understanding to a spouse is walking through loss and it can be a child. It can be a parent. It can be a loved one. How can we do that? Um, I'll let the Scroggins answer, but I, I, I got to say something that we mentioned before that actually, Pastor Jimmy, you say all the time that it's okay not to be okay. What is not okay is staying not okay. And I, I've used that all the time because mm-hmm. I feel like that should be the slogan of the mom village because we're most of the time, 90% of the time, we're not okay. But it, what is not okay is staying not okay. And that's what, Kira, what you were saying, you know. A village, a community, a family church is so crucial, so important, not doing life alone. But Scruggins, what about spouses? How can they help each other walking through loss? This is absolutely going to happen in a marriage. One of us or both of us are going to experience loss. And my dad passed away a, a few years ago and Jimmy really did a great job walking me through that. So I'm going to throw the mic to you. I know you don't want to, but what are some things that you learned of how to minister to me, but the husbands maybe could could take away or just that you, that you taught me that maybe these moms would be like, oh yeah, that's normal for me. Well, I think, you know, just, just giving each other uh, space to grieve. 
and knowing that grieving is okay. It is a process. There's a lot of books, articles, and so forth. You can read the stages of grief and so forth, which are all real. And I would encourage, uh, even as a Christian, you know, Christianity does not absolve you from the normal griefs of life. In some ways, I think Christianity may even intensify the griefs of life because you value life and family and relationship in a different way, whether it's what you had or what you didn't have. And so I think giving space to grieve. And then I also think being able to talk to your spouse about the person that they lost, even if they cry while you do it. Because when you lose somebody, you do want to talk about them. You want to remember the best things about them. You want to remember the good memories. You want to talk and laugh about it, even if you're laughing through tears. And so I think being able to talk about the person is really, really good. Kara, you said something, you know, you you lost your dad fairly recently and we were talking about it because we, we get each other. And you said that you told Eric, I'm going to need you to be here mm-hmm. with me. T- talk about that. Can you? Just over the last couple of years, you know, we, we, suffer physical loss or separation, but also sometimes we suffer a loss when someone is still physically here, but not here. So I think over the last, unfortunately, my husband has had to like walk me through stages of grief. My mom is an Alzheimer's patient at a very early age. So I've not physically lost her, but but saying goodbye. It's a constant for me saying goodbye. Like every visit is a constant saying goodbye. And the one thing I can say is Eric has remained such an encouragement and such a rock. And, you know, similar to what you said, Jimmy, like we now, I can laugh when I go visit my mom. Mm -hmm. I can laugh about the funny things that she says and we have a good time with it. I got to tell this when Kira came back from visiting Mima two days ago and Kira said, because Mima has, she she's helping. So she's taking things and putting them in other places. Kira came home. You know, the uh, leads that you put on monitors on patients. No one knows where it came from, but Mima had it wrapped around her arm. And <laughs> hopefully some patient wasn't somewhere needing it. <laughs> oh, no, Mima. Every visit, they're returning things all over the facility. <laughs> so I can laugh about that now. So, and Eric has encouraged me through that. So this is where we are, the reality. And I think when you lose someone physically, like I've lost my dad, I can say, you know what? Even though my mom physically is still here, let me enjoy the time. Because one of the things that has been just echoed in my head as I stood over my dad and I looked at him, I thought, and I said to him, I thought we had more time. I thought we had more time. And that just rings in my head. So, Well, as you guys know, Jisma recently, actually it's been a year now, she, she lost her dad. And maybe a little bit less than a year, I think in March. Part of what I learned through going through that with you is that everybody, everybody grieves a little bit differently. And I think as husbands, we, we gotta be ready to adapt to the way that our spouses grieve and then support that. I felt like part of it, maybe the way that I grieve is different than yours. And I didn't understand sort of how how you were grieving, but I wanted you to know that I was here to help you grieve in whatever way that was necessary. I hope that you felt supported, and I think you did through that time. So just allowing for people to grieve in the way that they individually grieve is interesting, and it's, it's going to be different than yours. And so just being ready for that and supporting that. And I'm interested, it's interesting, like all of us have, have lost our dads. What, what is something that, that Pastor Bernie did for you during that time when you were walking through it that was such a blessing to you? 
I think that just like Kira said, or I don't know if you said, one of the biggest things is I just didn't want to be alone during that time. So it was great to be able to homeschool the kids because I, I had them there and they would see me cry and they would just hug me. And some days I'd say, hey, I just want to go to your work just to hang out. He's like, okay, just come. <laughs> I just don't awesome. want to be alone. Yeah. Like yeah. seriously, it was the weirdest things. Yeah. But another thing too is that a lot of people lose people that they weren't in great relationships with at the time. And that's another level and that's another podcast. He always reminded me of all the good. Even if there was bad towards the end or during your life, the good always outweighed the, the bad. And I think it just causes us to heal a little better. So. so we're running out of time, but I want to target this question because that was one of our listeners really quick. So she just says that my husband and I love getting away and we have little ones, but we usually go away. But our family may just give us this little trip about leaving and going away with the kids. So can somebody answer this and encourage this? More I'm not going to answer it because yes. I don't go away a lot. But I was like, how many times a year do they go away? <laughs> like, sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. I will say this. No, you guys are- I will say this. I think our first ministry is our marriage. So if you have the opportunity to go away, it doesn't matter if your kids are older or younger, go away. And they give you a guilt trip, you know, it's okay. Their grandparents are trying to look after you and just make sure that your grandkids are okay. And they're just trying to pour wisdom. But I see it as my first ministry is my marriage. And if I have time to go away at least for a weekend or a day, I will, I will take that opportunity to do it without neglecting my kids too much. I mean, if you're taking every weekend, I mean, I mean, don't take every weekend. Be a parent first, but yeah. The take ages care. too. Yeah, take care of a marriage. So guys... That's it. I wish we had more time and we still have more questions, but we have, we can do more segments about marriage conversations. This is just a little special. So thank you so much for coming to the mom village. Let's say thank you to our spouses, ladies. Come on. Thank you. Thank you to our spouses. This is all for this segment, but please follow, subscribe, like, and share the mom village FC. Thank you so much for watching and we're going to say goodbye. Really? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.